Aha. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're here at another episode of Hard to Guard TV. And today I have one of my favorite people on this planet, one of the smartest women that I know. And um, I just want to, you know, we haven't talked in a while, but there's somebody that I'm very proud of. And I look up to her, Amy Gaskin. Amy, how you feel? Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. How you are you holding up? How you hold, held up this past year? <laughs> good. It's like, I like living in LA, but this year made me love living in LA. Palm trees and sunshine when you're kind of on lockdown is not a bad thing. Yeah. So I, I want to say me and Amy go back to our MBA days. And that's where I first met this uh, wonderful person. But uh, Amy right now is senior vice president for the Oakview Group, OFG, OVG. and the OVG, and OVG does? Uh, essentially, arena management, development. We're in the process of building about four and many more to come arenas globally, so. And one close by me. Yes, yes, I'm actually coming out there and checking it out next week. For the first time? Yeah, gonna go take a tour of this arena site. I'm really excited. And they officially open when? Uh, this fall, sometime between October and December, TBD. Nice, nice. And, but Amy Amy got her start, and we'll take it way back. We'll start from the beginning. Yeah. Fordham University. Fordham University. Once a Ram, always a Ram. And why Fordham? So I grew up in Rhode Island, little roadie. And my mom tells a story. The first time she brought me to New York, I think I was like, I don't know five or 10, I don't know. But she says like, the minute I took you there, I knew like you were gonna come here and never come back to Rhode Island. <laughs> um, so when I started looking at schools, I went to visit Fordham, fell in love with it, didn't wanna go anywhere else. I only applied to one other school. If I got into Fordham, that's where I was going and that was it. That's where I went. Yeah, and I know uh, some great people that went to Fordham. Um, like yeah. Jay Spiro Ditas, the yeah. great Mike Green. Yes, <laughs> we got some good, uh, sports broadcasters, et cetera, for and, sure. Yeah. And uh, can you talk about your love for sports? Because that's one thing we do know, you know, you're a big time Laker fan. Yes, and, I am. That was the other thing. Like when I was little, apparently, you know, everyone, I want to be a president. I want to be, you know, a nurse, a doctor, whatever. I was like, I'm going to work for the Lakers when I was five years old. In Rhode Island, I grew up in the land of green. My dad was a big Jerry West fan. So it was Lakers. I was Larry. I loved magic. I hated Larry. It was just the way I grew up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then when I got to Fordham, I actually was a manager for the basketball team, which is where some of my greatest friends have come from. Um, and then interned at the NBA as part of that. And kind of so the love of sport then grew into a career in it, which is pretty amazing. Can we talk about how did you get your intern at the NBA? Um, I... It was like, okay, I need to do an internship. Where do I start? Back then, I'm old. Back when I was looking, I mean, in comparison to the folks looking for internships these days, like there wasn't really like sports business wasn't a thing that you thought about a career in when when I was in college. Like I didn't even understand the scope of the business of the NBA at that point. So it was just like, I know I want to work in sports. What does that look like? I have no idea. Let me just look at a bunch of different companies in sport and see if I can get an internship. So I actually, at the time, got offered an internship at both the NBA and Madison Square Garden, ironically. 
And I took the NBA one simply because they paid a stipend and MSG did it. And I was like, I'm in college, I need money, so I'm gonna go with the stipend. And so I got an internship in the merchandising group at the NBA the summer between my junior and senior year in college. And the rest is history. And can you talk about um, the day that you was hired uh, full-time for the NBA? How was that experience? And that was actually pretty crazy. So I, um, I stayed on because I was in, at Fordham, and so in school in New York, and the NBA headquarters are also in New York. I stayed on as an intern throughout my senior year in college, and I would go into the office like once a week or when I wasn't traveling with the basketball team or whatever. And then after I graduated, I stayed on essentially as like a full-time intern trying to figure out a way to get a full-time job, both either there or somewhere else. And it was 2001. So it was kind of that summer of just like, there was a lot of stuff happening. There was layoffs, a bunch of different things. It was really proving difficult to get a job. Then 9-11 happened. And I was like, I'm never gonna get it. And it's obviously devastating for many reasons more than me just not getting a job. But um, I eventually just had a, sat down with the head of the department that I was interning in and was like, I need help. Like, I, I don't know what to do. I need a job. I can't be an intern for life. I need like a salary and benefits. and. I have a college degree. That was why I went to get a real job. And he essentially was like, what do you want to do? I said, I don't want to do anything different than what I'm doing right now, but you just laid off like 10 people. So what gives? And they essentially created a position for me, which was amazing. Um, and I remember the day, like it, it was, it was a made up role that, you know, we were like, we've, we've got a need and we're going to have you report to a few different people to essentially keep doing what you're doing, but as a full-time job, it was amazing. And I'm still to this day very grateful for it because it was the start of my career. Can you talk about the um, like uh, building relationships? Do you think that um, you being at Fordham, working with the basketball team, that kind of helped you? Yeah. get, You know, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think I always say I think team sports in general, in any capacity, whether you're actually playing on the team or just part of the team environment teaches you life skills that you can't get anywhere else. So I think being a manager of a basketball, a division one basketball team, we were okay. We weren't great. A10, Fordham. We haven't done any, ever done anything great, unfortunately, but I loved it. And those guys are my brothers. And, you know, it taught me while I was in school, how to both manage my schoolwork, but also on top of that, manage people, right? So I had to deal with the coaches and giving them what they needed and whatever they were asking me to do task-wise. And then also the players and it's managing a lot of different people, managing up, managing down, managing across, personalities, lots of different things. And also, you know, doing laundry, passing out water and towels and running clock and keeping stats and all that fun stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it both taught me how to manage people and also the value of relationships. I mean, those 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 are relationships that I have still to this day. Coach Hill was the coach at the time. He's been a mentor to me for my entire career ever since. And the guys that are on that team are literally like my brothers now. I'm, I still talk with them. Their kids are my nephews and nieces, like lifelong relationships for sure. So you start this journey at the NBA, this 12 year journey. And it, what was crazy about the NBA that every time I noticed, you know, I'll put it like, Every time, Amy, every other year, Amy, it felt for me like you were getting promoted. <laughs> so, and, 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 and one thing I've always, like, admired about, about you, and I'm like, man, this girl, this lady, this woman got to drive, man. She, I got to stick next to her because you, you can learn a lot. 
And I just want to know, like, you know, what gave you that drive? Yeah. I mean, I think what I, it was always like, my work was always important to me. It's a reflection of me. So there's that. I never really would, you know, it's funny because Coach Hill always used to call me an underachiever because I didn't really put that much effort into my schoolwork, but like my life is different. So, you know, what is a reflection of me? Um, I care about and I understand and I want people to respect me. So I think that's, that's part of it. I think I worked really hard and I was willing to do whatever, you know, you roll up your sleeves and whether it's, you know, going and picking up coffee or staying really late and putting a long proposal or presentation together. Um, you do what you got to do and you earn the respect that as a hard worker who's willing to just chip in and do whatever is necessary at whatever point in time. And I think that I learned early on from my very first boss that whenever you feel like you're not learning, that's when it's time to move on. And I, I think the other thing that I think really gave me the drive or at least the confidence and the ability not to question myself was I went to an all girls school growing up. And so I think that taught me to speak my mind. Like everyone knows, every you know, and anyone that knows me knows, like, you know what I'm thinking, you know how I'm feeling. It'll, it's written on my face. And if it's not, you're, you're going to hear it from me and I will speak up for myself and just in general. So, you know, whenever I felt like I, it was time for whatever was next, whether that's a different type of role or the next piece of responsibility, I would speak up. And and for the most part, I had done the work to back that up and was lucky enough to then continue to excel. Can you talk about some of the, um, you know, one thing about working at the NBA, me being there 11 years is- um, I got you deeper. It, it, yeah, it is family. It is. Um, and people, I don't think people understand it until you like actually work there. And can you talk about like the people that impacted you during those 12 years? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. We, we, we joke about it all the time. I have the number of Zooms I've done in the last year with this the title of the Zoom called MBA Fam. Like it really is like, and when you spend 12 years and I always say it's like the formative years, it was my, it was my career development years, really. It's like, I grew up at the MBA. That's how I describe it. Um, and so I think it's everything from the people that I grew up with that were also just starting out in their career, who I'm still, are some of my closest friends today to the, the bosses that I had or the people in leadership positions throughout, including, you know, Mark Tatum and so on. So I think that, um, having the work ethic is what I think breeds the environment of family because you're, it's like a description of, I describe it as like you're in the trenches together, whether you want to be or not in that environment. And, and we were all always working toward the same goal, which just put out whatever amazing product we were doing, whether that was an all-star weekend or, you know, finals or whatever. So I think, again, it's all the relationships that you build both, you know, with the people that you're doing that with and or working for as part of that process and leading you to the success. What would you say um, your best experience, three your three topic best experiences working there that wow. you felt like you accomplished? Ooh, wow, that's an interesting question that I accomplished. Um, let's see, I will say that, I'm just gonna actually use my first one. I don't know so much as accomplished, but it was literally the first thing that I ever did when I was there as an intern. So I'm still in college, I'm not even 21 yet. 
and not very many interns get an opportunity to go and travel as part of a business experience to go run and out. So it was WNBA All-Star in Phoenix in whatever that was, 1999, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and like run an activation at like what they used to, they actually used to do a full on like WNBA All-Star jam session, similar to like what we did at did used to do for the NBA and kind of ran this promotion. And it was, it was like, I think that also just helped kind of like mature me for what was to come business wise really quickly. Um, because my boss didn't come, it was like, here, you're going and you're doing this. So the, the trust in me and like the, the kind of like the runway to go and do that set me up for then God knows how many more things like that. So I'd say that was one. Um, I don't even know, like the like accomplishment, but just like really cool, fun things that I worked on. So like one other one would be a sp- I, when I was in the sponsorship group, Sprite, Coca-Cola was one of my accounts and it was Sprite, obviously the Sprite slam dunk. So the whole Blake jumped over the car dunk was like a whole big thing that I worked on, even though he didn't actually jump over the car, just the pictures make it look like he did. He really yeah. actually jumped around the front of the hood. Yeah. Well, we don't talk about that. Um, <laughs> But like that was a very cool experience to be part of just even like seeing like the nights before and like, no, that dunk is not approved if we can't see him do it beforehand. So we're at the arena at two o'clock in the morning with Blake and Stu Jackson and everybody like with him practicing jumping over the car. Were you guys so, nervous? I mean, I think everybody was nervous. He wasn't. So it was like, okay, if he's like, I got this. Cool. We're fine. And he actually did jump over the car at rehearsal just the actual dunk that he like won for, he didn't actually jump over the car, but anyway. Um, so that was really cool. And then I think another one is probably also Coke related. Um, ironic, it's just ironic that it's all Coke, but they just did some big cool stuff. Um, when, when you get two big, huge names, legends, historical figures together to do something, it's pretty freaking cool. So doing something with Kobe and LeBron, and having them do a global game together at All-Star was pretty cool. So like we had fans that had submitted to be able to play and be coached by Team Kobe or Team LeBron that came in from like all over the world. Um, It was like a very cool global program that we did that, you know, just seeing the two of them come together and the interaction. And that was when Kobe was kind of more obviously at the latter part of his career and LeBron was the earlier part of his career. So interesting personality dynamics at the time, but it was very cool to be part of that too. And was- yeah, I would say you, you know, obviously you're a huge Laker fan and you was a you're a big time Kobe fan. And can you just talk about like the experience of you having a, that conversation or that one time meet with Kobe? Yeah, I mean, I've had I had a few, and and all of my interactions with him were he's just he's a professional. Like he's very he he's everything that. I think everyone realized he was sadly after he died um, professional caring and like very particular and direct perfectionist. He's a Virgo like me. Um, <laughs> like us. Yeah, we're all Virgos. We're, now that we're all within like a week of each other. Oh. Um, so he cares about that. And, and I think like about how things look and appear and, and manifest because it's his, him and his brand and he takes pride in all of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's still just not real. 
Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So when and you know, obviously, you know, now you at twelve years. When did you know that it was time to take the next leap? Um, I think like I was saying before, when you feel get to the point where you feel like you're not learning anymore, it's time for a change. So I had kind of gotten to that, not necessarily not learning, but like things definitely were starting to get stale. Um, and I was starting to get jaded. Like I just was not loving it anymore. And I was like, I grew up here. I love this place. I love these people. I don't want to get to a point where I hate it. So it's time to kind of think about what's next. I also had, while I was there, also part of Wyatt's family, like I went through a really rough period where I lost my father and he was sick and I was going back and forth to Rhode Island while he was, you know, battling cancer. And then, you know, he passed away and that was really difficult. So I was considering moving back home to Rhode Island, something I never ever thought I would do, um, which I went home for a weekend, went to like some event and looked at my mother. And I was like, I can't do this. Like she thought I was moving home at that point. And I looked at her, I was like, yeah, no, that's not happening. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't come back here. It's just like, it's not happening. Um, so what I did do though, was like, I was pretty vocal about, I need a change time, like for me to move on. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I was clear about that with pretty much everybody. And so kind of folks knew that I was ready for a change, which then led to a change, which was great. And I waited for what I felt like was the right thing. I didn't just leave to leave, which I think is also super important. Um, sometimes you get to a place where you're like, I'm miserable, I hate my job, I gotta get out of here. And you take the first thing that comes because you're like, finally, it's like a relief, even though you don't necessarily know if that's the right thing. So I think I was lucky in that I was able to stick it out and wait until I felt like the right thing came and then left. Yeah, so how, how did it feel? Like you said, you you know, you spoke to your own to your coworkers and stuff like that, that it's time for me to get out of here. Yeah. And move on. Um, can you talk about the support that you had to make that decision for you? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's never an easy conversation, right? Um, and I don't necessarily always recommend it, but if you've got like the right kind of relationships and the right kind of support and you're working with just truly good people that care about you and your career and professional development and want to see you succeed, um, they're going to either help you and or be happy for you when the right opportunity to do that comes along. So essentially that's what happened. And while they were very gracious and wanting to find ways to challenge and keep me, um, it, I knew it was time to move on. So the next, um, the next stop is at JP Morgan. Um, why JP Morgan and how did that come about? NBA fan <laughs> everywhere. Right. So, um, the person who brought me over to JP Morgan Chase was a former NBA -er, uh, Frank Nicano, who was on the sponsorship side at, at the NBA and had left to, to go and do that at Chase. And essentially at the time when that was essentially when they started to build a sports entertainment group at Chase, there had never been one prior. Um, and it was right after they had just finished the Madison Square Garden marquee partnership um, negotiation and needed to bring in some people to kind of manage that essentially um, who understand the business. So he reached out and we were, you know, we had stayed in touch, but we were catching up and he's like, so I'm starting at Chase and we're going to build a team. Are you interested? And it was like, I mean, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's almost like the perfect, next step i had been managing the baking partner at the nba so it was like there were a lot of synergies and then also frank is 
for anybody who knows him, one of the nicest people on the earth. So it was just like, absolutely makes sense as a next step. Working on the brand side is, is something that a lot of people want to experience and having the opportunity to do that in sports entertainment specifically um, was definitely like, yes, count me in. Like, when can I start? <laughs> I was, I was, I was talking to people, um, for you, why is it important to work on the brand side? Like yeah, I mean, understand that sometimes. Yeah, I think for, on the marketing, marketing and sponsorship, it's a big deal. Um, just to, it gives you a different perspective, right? A lot of people will say once you go brand, you never go back because it's sort of like the like golden ticket. Like once you're on that side of things, you're the one with the with the checkbook. You're the one making the decisions. You're the one giving the orders. It's a it's a nice position to be in. Um, and also just a different perspective and experience if you're not going to stay on that side and you're going to go back on the property side or on the agency side, et cetera. It gives you an understanding of how the brand side works intricately. So um, that's really why. I mean, everyone kind of wants to experience what that's like. There are lots of different ways to do that. And obviously getting more and more competitive and, and, and unique ways to do that. These days, there are obviously are traditional sports brands that have been doing it forever, like the Gatorades and the Cokes of the world. Um, but then there are, you know, smaller companies that are popping up every day that are getting into it. So um, it was definitely an interesting new, I mean, like, and people were like, wait, you're going to work at a bank? What? I'm like, no, I'm not going to be a banker. Don't give me your money. <laughs> you don't, I don't, you don't want to give me your money. Mm -hmm. um but it was really interesting to learn a whole new like business really and, and there's much more i could learn from a financial services perspective but just understanding how a company of that size works it's fascinating i was gonna say like a company like jp morgan like back then when it first started for you yeah like, could you tell the diff the impact that having a being a partner with MSG helped how that helped MSG and how that helped JP Morgan, JP Morgan. Yeah. I mean, it was different. It was interesting because, you know, it was such a massive partnership and it touched, you know, for anyone who isn't familiar MSG, it's not just the garden, right? It's the garden, it's radio city. It's the beacon theater, the Chicago theater. It was the forum here in LA. The Knicks, the Rangers, it was the Liberty, the Rockettes, and so on. So we it, we were involved from a sponsorship perspective in all of those things. So for me, what was interesting about it was I grew up, again, at the NBA. It was basketball, all basketball, all the time. Um, and obviously, it was lifestyle because the NBA, I grew up in the height of, like, the throwback jersey craze and all that. So, like, there's definitely a major lifestyle component to it. But you know, when you get into that, when I got to that side and working with the garden and starting to understand more of the entertainment business, even just like, you know, when you, something as simple as an early on sale to get tickets to a concert with your chase credit card, like, and the intricacies involved in executing and understanding something like that from the artist perspective and the promoter and the, the manifest of tickets and the venue, it was just like really interesting to learn all that. So I, I learned a little bit about the music business and then there's the Rockettes and, and the, the, the venue, like the arena business too, just an understanding kind of that side of it all. And then hockey, like I'd never even like, I think when I only been to one hockey game ever in life before that and went to a ton of Rangers games. So, and then also worked with the Jets and the Giants. So it was interesting to kind of just branch out beyond the NBA too. 
Now, what's kind of cool, what people don't realize when you work on that side is you actually get to take uh, plenty of people and clients to these events. Yeah. And you get to like network like you've never networked before. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the impact that made on, for you? Yeah. I mean, it's what essentially then led to my next role, right? So it's all about relationships, like you've continued to say. It's 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 just being you and, and building and earning respect and building relationships. So yes, I mean, you're, I worked a lot, um, but there was, you know, people would always be like, well, you get to go to this and this, and especially at a bank, there are a lot of, there are a lot of rules and red tape and regulations about like gifts and attending events and things like that, that you're technically supposed to get approval for. But you know, when you're a naming rights partner at a building or a massive, you know, founding partner for another, you know, Jet from the Giants, you have a credential and you're going all the time and you're going because it's work. Like you're, I'm going because we have a big activation happening. And so I'm there well before the game starts and probably leaving before halftime because I'm, you know? <laughs> right? Like, it's like, yeah, I get to go, but I also have to go. So that's, you think about like, event days, weekends, I spend every weekend at MetLife Stadium. So yeah, while it's cool and it's exciting and you're with and meeting so many different people, um, it's also kind of like, oh wow, this is a lot. I kind of just want to go home and be on my couch now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think from a networking perspective, yeah, you're, you're at all of those events all the time. And so, you know, I joke around all the time, like even just going to the garden as much as I did, I feel like the ushers, like I went back whenever last time I was there a year and a half ago now, probably. And like, maybe a little longer, but like the ushers still like, I haven't seen you. Where'd you go? How's you been? Giving me a hug. And it's like, you know, I didn't even work there, but I was there. So that's how much you were there. You know, it's like you build relationships with people that again, last for a long time. That actually happened. I went back to the NBA offices, which I hadn't done in forever, um, like two years ago. And the security guy was like, did you forget your ID? I'm like, I haven't worked here in five years. Six years. Definitely. Um, so um, <laughs> after four years, you leave. Yep. Why? Uh, you know, like a job like that, you know, yeah, people, but you don't, that's exactly. Once you go there, you don't go back and, and you, it's a great position to be in. Right. And I love that job. I love that company. Um, and the, a lot of the conversations I had around leaving were very much like, there's so much more you could be doing here. But what I knew is that I didn't want to be doing financial services marketing. So like, could I, to your point, I'm like continuing to be promoted and continuing to be challenged. Like, yes, I could have gone and like, been doing business bank marketing, but I, I, I didn't want to, my career wasn't about to be in, you know, brand marketing for a bank. That's not what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be in the sports entertainment business. And so as to the relationships point and the kind of networking, et cetera, I'd been spending a lot of time out here in LA with the forum folks and had um, met the Azoffs as they were running it with, um, with, with MSG, it was Azoff MSG kind of thing. Spending a lot of time out here, which led to kind of just meeting Tim Lewicki and OVG had just really been formed. Like it's a, it's only, I've been here for now almost four and a half years and it's a five, a little, a little over five year old company. Um, so it was new and I had been learning about it from the Chase side of things because we were looking at what could potentially make sense for us with them. Um, and I had a conversation with Tim early on where he essentially kind of gave me his vision for this company 
and like all on a napkin, like his five-year plan. Tim, which Tim? Tim, Tim Lywicki. Tim, Tim, Tim. Yeah, yeah, Tim. He's our CEO at OBG. Um, And he co-founded it with Irving Azoff. And it was just, the vision was like, wait, you're going to do all that and you're going to do all that in five years. That sounds crazy, but amazing. And like, I want to be part of that because again, I loved Chase. I loved the people. I loved the job. I loved all of the events and all of the people, but I was, if I'm being honest, probably not, I was bored. Like I I was probably ready to move on. Um, I was like, okay, now what, you know? So to the point of once you feel like you're not really learning anything anymore, then what? Um, it was like, well, this will be a major challenge. I'll be going from what were two very corporate, big organizations. Obviously, Chase is much bigger than the NBA, to essentially a startup. Like I, in joining OBG, I was one of the first twenty-five employees. So I always tell the story. Like one of the last things I was working on when I left Chase was probably some Nick season ticket holder credit card offer. Like get your season tickets with your Chase card and like working on the creative and there were like 45 people at chase on the email to get it approved and then i went to a company we didn't even have 45 people at the company <laughs> so it's just like a very different dynamic and and something to be part of so the, the opportunity to come here and be part of building something from the ground up was really interesting to me i was gonna say and um, how imp- like impressed are you when you're sitting down with like for yourself like tim lewicki's a big deal irving azoff is a legend and you're, you know, you're sitting down talking to these people. Did you say like, whoa, like? Well, that's where you're like, okay, wait, you want me to come join that company? I don't. <laughs> there's no, there, there's no second guessing that. That means I have to move to LA. No second guessing that. Like, why not? Like, yes, a hundred percent. Count me in. Um, because the two of them, to your point, are legends, and everything they do is just so forward thinking and they're both so passionate about it all that it's like, okay, I want to be part of that and like see what we can do with, with that really. And here we are now almost five years later and we're about to open two brand new buildings (laughs) this fall. I was going to say like, you know, obviously, like you said, both of them are forward thinking. How does that help you professionally? It makes you think, it challenges you to think differently. And especially coming from, like I said, two very corporate organizations with a lot of red tape and a lot of policies and processes and procedures. And this is how we do things. And, you know, it's almost always a no first versus a yes. And then coming to a place where it's like, what are we trying to do? Okay, who do we need to call to get it done? Great, go, do it. Like, figure it out. You just figure it out and you do it. <laughs> um, and if you can't, then you ask for help. And if we can't do it and there's a reason we can't do it, that's okay. If we can't do it, you can't do it, but you have Tim Lywicki or Irving Azoff who can just make a phone call to figure out how to do it. It's amazing. Um, so that we just get you done. And it's, it's a really, it's refreshing to be part of an environment like that after having, again, both amazing companies and I would go back to either one of them in a heartbeat for the right opportunity, but it's just really hard to get stuff done in big companies like that when being part of a smaller company and building from the ground up, it comes with its own other challenges when you don't have those infrastructures built, but you are able to just go and and do stuff, which is really refreshing. I was going to say, but you guys are becoming a bigger company, so... 
We are really bad. You know, not you know, you're building arenas. Uh, you're partnering with arenas, and now you're building arenas. Exactly. Um, what have you learned as far as like the whole building arena aspect for yourself? Yeah, um, it's a lot of work. I mean, again, this has been five years, five and almost five and a half years in the making, and we haven't even opened a building yet. So I think you know, when you say for you to say you're becoming a lot bigger as a company. Yeah, we are. And people now know that. Like, we've been kind of over here for the last five years doing a lot of work that nobody knew anything about. But we're now about to open two of the most technologically, sustainably advanced buildings in the world. Actually, not two of the most, the most um, this fall. So um, the amount of time, energy, effort, work, blood, sweat, tears, etc. that goes into all of that. I mean, I'm, I'm on the periphery from more of a sponsorship, marketing, perspective of all of those things. We have a whole division of people like on the business development and then actually on the actual development side of things that are working on everything from the financing to the local government to the actual construction, build, architecture, the sustainability, et cetera, that goes into all of those things that are kind of like in knee deep in, all, in the trenches and all that, which you know, I'm going on my first site visit to the actual construction site next week, whereas they've been doing this, like we broke ground two years ago, three, two years ago, I want to say on both of these buildings. So, you know, it's, it's a long, long time. And I was going to say, how, you know, when the world stopped um, last year because of COVID, how did um, that change the way you worked? Yeah, I mean... Um, for, for for the company, the arenas, Sarah, I'll give you just a kind of quick, couple of quick. The one thing that didn't change was our staffing. So Tim was adamant about not having any layoffs um, because it was probably the most important year for our company. There was too much to do, too much to get done leading into this year to not have this to be staffed accordingly to do it. So, you know, we cut budgets and costs and expenses wherever we possibly could. Um, and he did everything he could to keep everybody on staff, which he, he did. So we didn't have any layoffs, which was a big part of that, I think. Um, there were a couple of like shutdowns on the construction sites due to COVID with cases here or there, but nothing that slowed either down to the point that we're going to miss our opening date, um, which is a big deal. And then I think we've all been working home from home now for a year and a year and a month now. Um, but we haven't really missed a beat. I mean, our, our sales team has sold naming rights for all these buildings in the middle of a pandemic. Um, we've closed a bunch of sponsorship deals and, you know, we, I, the one thing I say about kind of what this year has done for us as a, for ways of working, I think we, have been communicating better than we ever could have before because we were all over the place before. So, you know, I mean, you know, I used to live on the road. I was always traveling as was most of the rest of the team. So the amount of time that we would spend actually either in the same place or on a, on a call or like actually just staying up to date with each other on everything that's going on was slim. Um, and now, you know, we're on daily, it's a little bit much and I could do without a Zoom or two, but, you know, we're all on the same page all the time. Everybody knows what's going on. And I think you, it's just a much more collaborative environment as a result. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we can maintain that when we go back to like getting back on the road and going back to the office and 
not all being as in touch as we have been for the last year and a half. You, know, you work your way to a senior vice president um, with this company and you know, you're a woman and I've always said you're fierce, you're, you know, you're, <laughs> you're powerful. Um, how much of that responsibility do you take, you know, building this, uh, getting to that position? What do you mean? Like as a woman or yeah, just- as a woman? Knowing that you, you know, you're trying, people look up to you and, and yeah. try to be, be you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's super important. There, there, I think that, um, again, I think my growing up in a single sex education environment helped me always feel like I never really thought about it. You know, I, I would think about it when it was so obvious that you had to and that like, okay, I'm in this meeting with 15 other people and I'm the only woman or I'm one of two women in this executive board meeting with all other men, like nine times out of 10, all other white men. Um, so I think what I take with that is obviously hiring more um or I should say less white men and then understanding the importance of it and being very vocal about it. So it's something I've always been super, super vocal about. And I'm like, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the, gets the oil as they say, whatever cliche that is, if I said it right. Um, but we can't just do the same thing we've always done. And it can't just always be all white men and everything. And, you know, I think there are some people who feel like, and there have been a lot of instances or quotes like this. I think that it's like, it's not about the, you know, the woman in the room being kind of getting the female award or whatever. Like, no, it should just be because they're the best in the room, period. Not because they're the best woman in the room. So it's just trying to think from that mindset. And we are lucky here in that, you know, it's Tim and Irving, but it's a family business. And Tim's daughter, Francesca, is the number two in our company. It is essentially will be her company at some point. That's the general idea. Um, so we have a lot actually of female leadership at our company overall. Um, and I think also for me career-wise, I've always had strong women leaders either that I've reported to and or been close to that I've that have kind of helped groom me, um, which makes a big difference. Yeah, I was going to say how important. Like one thing about you, um, You've always had great people around you. And, you know, obviously I know some of them, but you know, you have plenty of friends. Maybe. You are the company. You, <laughs> they say you are the company you keep, right? So, yeah, I want to talk about how important that is. It's super important. I mean, you are a reflection. A, it's a reflection of you. And so if, you know, the general crew that you roll with is not isn't good people then more than more often than not either you're not a good person or people are going to think you're not a good person whether you are or aren't um and so i think that 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 has a lot to do with it's just, it's like a support system i mean i think too yes i am i have focused on my career more than anything in my life so here i am now we won't talk about my age but it's me and i'm still single there's no prince charming anywhere still all of those things but I have a lot of really close friends that are family that are my support system that we get through both male and female that get through it all together. Both, you know, the work drama or just the day-to-day -day struggles that you may have both personally and professionally that require a conversation. 
group chats have changed the world, if you will, right? Um, and so that helps you get through it and having good people around you that lift you up and don't tear you down every step of the way and support you and through all your success and also failures because it's not all always all sunshine you know it's they're they're not there's there's those days where you're just like okay i'm over it i don't want to do this anymore i'm like now what <laughs> no you're you got a good thing going you're good stick with it it's fine um and you have friends that help you know talk you through it i was gonna say one of the best things about you is that you're always um one you're always smiling i've never seen you in a position where you know you're down and, and and even if you are down you don't show it so you know and, and i'm you know like i said i've never seen you angry so <laughs> what makes you be, you know it can happen I, no I, I i believe it you just have never done anything to get me mad <laughs> <laughs> but i've seen you know i've seen you overcome you know you got to where you are today do you ever say to yourself like you know, take a step back and be like, oh, you know, I'm making it happen. Yeah, I mean, I think yes and no, because I think the minute you do that, it's like, well, then you're like, okay, just sitting back and just being and settling with just that. And I feel like there's still so much more to do. So it's like, yes, I'm proud of myself and everything that I've done, but I still know that there's so much more to do and I want to keep going. So, you know. More to do as in having your own company and where you building your own arenas? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, there is one thing about me, and you know what, you and I have talked about this. Like, I think there are people who are meant to be entrepreneurs and there are people who are not. I am not. Like, I know that about myself. I do not ever want to have my own business. I do not want that pressure, that responsibility. It's just not, I like having some kind of structure and some kind of, um, safety net, if you want to call it that, whatever it might be, but just um, a group of people that I'm doing something with that are not, um, and it's not all on me, I guess. Um, it, you know, you know what you know what you're responsible for. You know that you're part of a team contributing to a greater good. Um, being an entrepreneur is not anything that I ever want to do, and I think that actually might also be partly because. I grew up with like my dad at his own business, my aunt, my grandfather, everybody, my whole, all of my, like they all had, whether it was a jewelry business, a hair business, a car, contractor business. And I watched the, the struggle. Like it's, it's a roller coaster. Um, and I just always, I think I grew up knowing I don't want to deal with that. Like I'm going to, I'm okay being, I like, I mean, for all of the bad, I'll take all the good of corporate America. Yeah. It's as much bad, but I'm okay with. I'm okay. So if you if you see yourself within the next three to five years, where would it be? I mean, I I have said this a few times actually recently. Like here, like I I mean maybe doing slightly different things, but I think even just in the four and a half years with this company, what I started doing, what I'm doing now, you couldn't have told me when I started the job that what I would be doing now is what I would be doing. Like we've added three divisions to my team and things that I never thought we, I would be focused on or working on as part of um, this company. So I think again, we're, this is like the year we become a real company is kind of what we've been saying. Cause we open our first buildings. And I think from that point, there's so much more to do. Like we're talking again, we're, I think six or so buildings officially announced, but 
probably another 10 to 15 in the pipeline globally. So there's so much more to do here in the next three to five years that I still feel like I want to be part of that. And people ask like, well, what's next or what would you want to do? I've had a few conversations like so far there hasn't been anything yet that right now I would leave for three to five years, maybe. Um, but it's got to be the right thing. Cause again, I think for me, it's all about being challenged and this is a very challenging role and company to work at just, just from like what we're trying to do. So as long as the, we're still trying to do all of those things and figuring out how to kind of build it all, I'm, I'm good. I was going to say one thing about a Virgo. We are work. We are biggest worst critics. We we criticize ourselves bigger than anybody. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. What pushes you to be great? Oh God. Um. I think just me. Like my expectations of myself. Really, uh, and not wanting to disappoint myself like I have I have high expectations like I I I know that the effort that I'm putting in has to turn into something great otherwise why am I putting the effort in it's like it's not worth it otherwise uh, yeah like I said you know Amy um you're one of my favorites like I've always said it and you know I love you you have always you always been a phone call away for me that's why I've always appreciated it. And I can't wait to go to LA to come yeah. with you one time. <laughs> you gotta come visit. Yes, you, know, you know, thank you for giving me this 45 minutes of time because you're oh, very wow. busy and yeah. you know, I love you for that. So absolutely. Anytime. All right. So All check right. out if you want to follow her on Instagram. I know. I should have put it in my room. G-S, right? S-G-A-I-N-S-G. Yeah, got it. Fine. All right, so stay on for a second. I'll say, all right, so thank you. Okay.